egotistical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Yes, welcome on in everybody to the SNL Network here on this Monday night in August in the middle of the summer, this long summer between season 47 and season 48 where we're just clamoring for some SNL to come back and it's not too far away right now. So I could see we could see the finish line. We're getting there and uh, we're also getting there on our character countdown, which is what we are here for tonight. Tonight we are here to reveal the next three characters on the list numbers 12 11 and 10 on the list as we start to make our way to the final 10 characters the top 10 of all time so it'll be very fun to break those down every week we have a couple of patrons on with us to discuss these characters and why they were chosen as some of the greatest of all time so i look forward to discussing that tonight before we get there i have a couple snl related items that i just would like to bring up uh, obviously today we lost Olivia Newton-John, uh, most notably known for Greece and an incredible music career, uh, was a SNL host at the end of season seven, so which is a really fun episode during the Ebersol era. So I recommend going to check out that episode if you want to watch some Olivia Newton-John on SNL. So uh, RIP, uh, just wanted to say that. Um, also wanted to say personally for some of our coverage we're doing, uh, if you haven't checked it out, I know we put out a lot of stuff this summer, but I'm really proud of the work that we did at Just for Laughs the last couple of weeks when that festival was in Montreal. We got to do some really fun interviews. And uh, I recorded a podcast with Nicole Rovine last week talking about our experience at the festival. It's about an hour long, but I think it was worth checking out. So if you haven't gone to that yet, definitely go back and check out that podcast to hear the interviews in full from the red carpet that we did. And I uh, hope to get to do that many more years in the future. So thanks again to Just for Laughs for having us there. All right, business on tap for tonight is to introduce our patrons who are going to be talking about these three characters. So first, it is the great, the legendary Ike Moore. Ike, how are you? Uh, right, back at it again, SNL Network. This is now my, I think, third or fourth time on here, so I'm getting close to that five-timers jacket. Yes, for sure. Ike was an incredible part of our patron coverage in season 47. Always there, full of energy, ready to answer people's questions. So, Ike, I'm looking forward to talking about season 48 with you in just a couple months. Yeah, man. Getting getting close, getting close. We're going to see uh, who's the first round of hosts we have to enter Studio 8H. Yeah, we'll be talking about that very, very soon. All right. And also joining us, you may have heard his voice on an interview that we did with Chris Redd. He was an integral part of putting that all together. It is Dave Standish. Dave, how are you? Hi, John. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be part of a live broadcast. Ike, it's great to meet you and give some feedback on SNL over 47 seasons that are complete and looking ahead to 48. So yeah, it's great to be on finally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we got to meet you a little bit before that interview. We got to talk about your history with SNL, so that was fun. So I'm looking forward to discussing that a little bit more tonight. So uh, every week that we have been doing this, if you missed the last two, we we basically introduced who 20 through 13 were already. So go back and check out those last two podcasts. Uh, there are some big names that haven't come up yet. It'll be fun to see if they come up tonight. But before we reveal the first characters on our list, I always like to ask the patrons... What makes a great character from SNL? Why do you believe that a character should be on this list? So, Ike, I'll start with you. What to you makes a great SNL character? Oh, man, a great SNL character. I got to think of it as uh, familiarity, you know, a sense of familiarity to it. Um, I remember, John, the first time we talked, we kind of bonded 
over our love over the Amanda show. Now, you could make the argument that <laughs> you can make the argument that that show is just filled to the brim with recurring characters. So it's this, it's the sense of you watch the show every week and you're just like, oh, I hope they do this character. I hope this character show up. And with SNL, even we even do it now with, when we talk about, you know, you know, alumni coming back to host. We're always speculating which of which character are they going to bring back? Are they going to when Jason came back, we were all wondering, are they going to do what up with that? Or, or is he going to do the devil? You know, it's like we didn't know. So it's a sense of it's a sense of, you know, anticipation, a, a sense of familiarity. And also, uh, I think of it also important that a good character has a great place in the pop culture zeitgeist like a good character on SNL, I feel like nothing warms my soul more, John, than when I'm in public and I can quote an SNL character and everybody knows what I'm talking about. So I feel like some of the best characters have that. I, you just say one line and everybody, somebody could finish it and, and another person can like, you know, talk about their memories with the character. So I think those two together make for a, a great character. I could not agree more with everything you're saying. And it, it's funny you brought up the Amanda show. I completely forgot that we talked about that. But yes, I absolutely loved that when I was younger. And there was something about the characters from the Amanda show that brought out, you know, this like little kid in me where I could just quote them and talk about them to people. And it's the same thing with great SNL characters. They really just bring out this like childish aspect of you where you're like, I am witnessing something really fun and I want to share it with all of my friends. And I think that's what's great about some of the characters that you'll see on this list. Dave. Would love to hear from you. What makes a great SNL character? Well, I can't disagree with anything uh, that Ike said or that you said a moment ago, John. But um, you know, it, it's a case where if, if a person is a character maybe six, seven, eight times, let's say that's about a half hour, 45 minutes of time. What I relate that to is a memorable movie where the same character says something 30, 45 minutes of, of time. And you can remember it 10, 20, 30 years ago. My sister and her friends will always quote Wayne's World, Wayne's World, the movie, uh, because they haven't, because now they're in their 40s. But um, it, it's always kind of memorable moments from those people. I don't think catchphrases are, are something you have to rely on. I think in SNL, they have done that, and you get the live audience reaction, as we'll talk about with uh, the top 12 tonight and over the next couple of weeks. But you know, it, it's, it's something that catches your eye, something that, that you remember and someone that someone uh, that a few weeks later or a few years later, the uh, the uh, the live audience in in 8H and the studio and uh, the people watching will remember. And now you can sense that even more on on social media where somebody will tweet, oh, look, who's part of this next sketch and recall it immediately. What they say is uh, people have their best memories of things from high school and and like like I said, my sister with Wayne's World and they, they can quote those things because that was a memorable time in their lives. It gives them uh, reference back to, to the old days, back to high school, uh, university, that sort of thing. And it's it's the strength of the individual performing it. I think if you go to like the Wikipedia list, of like there's hundreds of recurring characters and recurring sketches. Some were seen two or three times and someone scrolling that list would probably, Oh yeah, I kind of, kind of remember that from that episode 10, 22 years ago, but it wasn't memorable to me uh, that I could instantly recall it without it being part of the list. So these 
these lists, these people supersede those lists. Yeah. And do uh, it and everything that Mike said, basically. <laughs> Yeah, you did. That's great. I, I agree with both of you for sure. And, uh, you know, you brought up Wayne's World. We'll see. Maybe they'll come up tonight. You never know. Maybe they'll come up in the future, but we haven't talked about them yet. And obviously they had a lot of hype, uh, Wayne's World, the movies and the characters and the merchandise. So, um, you know, all those things are definitely factors when you look at the characters. All right. Enough of the preamble. Enough of the foreplay. Let's get into the real show here. Let's talk about the characters that we're going to reveal tonight on the podcast. And uh, let's start with a character that I believe I was surprised. Uh, I'll just say this. I was surprised this character came up so early. Didn't think that they were going to come up so early. And uh, it is a character that was very highly ranked in our catchphrase bracket back in March. But here we are revealing them at number 12 on the charts tonight. Let's do that. Let's talk about this character from Dana Carvey. Who well, isn't that special? It is the church lady that is coming up tonight. Well, isn't that special? So uh, we, we're going to be talking about the church lady, a character that Dana Carvey first brought on to Saturday Night Live when, in his first episode. That would be season 12 in 1986. But we've seen that character for 30 years on Saturday Night Live, the last time being in 2016 to come on Weekend Update. Um, Church Lady's real name, I believe, is Enid Strict, um, and would always host Church Chat. Uh, this is a character that Dana Carvey worked on with Rosie Schuster to get onto the show. And basically, uh, the Church Lady would always be there to interview people, to get them to confess their sins. Um, they often uh, got them to talk about, you know, a lot of sexual things that were happening. Um, and uh, there was always a little bit of sexuality to the Church Lady as Dana Carvey played her on the show. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of fun moments. We got to see this eight times in season 12, uh, three times in season 13, twice in season 14, four times in season 15, once in season 16, then uh, a bunch of times when Dana Carvey hosted uh, during a Brie Larson episode in season 41 and on Weekend Update in 2016. So 23 times on Saturday Night Live, we have seen the church lady. Ike, I'm going to start with you. How do you feel about the church lady being here at number 12? And what's your overall opinion of the character? Oh, well, I think it, I think the church lady is number 12 because it's a sense of relatability because we all know that person that tries to act all high and mighty and loves to pick out people's flaws. Now, I don't know if the sketches because SNL only uploaded like eight of the church lady sketches. So I don't know if it was ever revealed what on the YouTube. nomination. Yeah, yeah, on YouTube. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I don't know if it was ever revealed what the nomination she is. If she's like Christian, Catholic, I don't know. It's kind of blurred. I mean, Wiki says she's a Christian, but if you look at like the set, it's given Catholic vibes. But whatever it is, I would like to stress as a Christian myself, we are not this extreme. I guarantee you <laughs> we we want to help people, you know, find the error of their ways. We want to talk to them. We want to help them. We want to spread the gospel, all that good stuff. Uh, church lady does not do that. Church lady says, forget all that. I'm going to give you your front row seat to hell. <laughs> so basically, if, if if the glass that's behind church lady was hell, she would push every guest she had out of that window. Like she does not care. She does not care at all. So it's like, I feel like, you know, what I liked about the sketch personally is she doesn't, she does she attacks everyone. She lets everybody have it. Not just, you know, like the, the you know the predictable targets like madonna snooki or like you know uh i'm trying to think of another one another one uh 
Saddam Hussein. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, um, Sean Penn. There was a lot of them. Yeah. yeah, 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 a lot of them. But she's also she also comes at people in her own congregation. Like, I don't know what's the character uh, Victoria Jackson played. Uh, the name is escaping me. What, what character she played in that sketch? Are we sure that Victoria Jackson wasn't playing herself in this sketch? <laughs> hey, hey, you said it, not me, John. I, that's a, I don't know. I don't know. But she even attacks poor Victoria Jackson's character. And she's just this sweet, you know, she's like, I was just helping Minister Bob while her while his mom, I mean, not his mom, when his wife was away, then, then Church Lady's like, oh, isn't that convenient? So it's like she's always trying to think of something. She's always accusing people of something. So I feel like it's it's number 12 because we can all relate to somebody like that. And also it's number 12 because let's, let's be honest, it's Dana Carvey. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong, John, but I don't recall Dana ever having any, no one has ever had anything bad to say about Dana Carvey. I think when it comes to SNL cast members, he is one of the most well-liked, I believe. I, I can't recall anyone ever saying they don't like Dana Carvey. They might say they don't like Master of Disguise, but they don't say they don't like Dana Carvey. So I think I also feel like when you like a character, well, not even just a character, when you like a cast member that much, you instantly love the character. You might not love it as much as other characters you have, but if you like the cast member, it, you, you're pretty much guaranteed to love the, the character. So I feel like those two things together is why uh, Church Lady is number 12. For sure. I mean, like, I would say everybody has different opinions on cast members, like different strokes for different folks. I, I personally have always been a big fan of Dana Carvey. I always really enjoyed him on the show. And um, I would say, you know, Dana Carvey is one of the most character driven cast members ever. This character, the church lady, for me personally, never got tiring. I always enjoyed it. I always felt like there was some fresh element to it. And I think, Ike, I know you brought up the Christian aspect of this. And I think Ken in the chat pointed out about the minister. Uh, minister Bob was played by Chevy Chase a couple times. Um, so I think there was like a little bit of clues for that. We also had another supporting character, uh, Pearl, was often referenced. And it was played by uh, Cheryl Hardwick, who uh, was part of the SNL band at the time. Uh, Dave, we'd love to come to you on this. What do you think about the church lady coming in here at number 12? Well, John, it's a case where, like we you said, season... Uh, season 12 there she appeared eight times in the in the one season so that's right around uh tammy Faye and uh and and baker it's around all the uh the church scandals all the uh the tv evangelist begging for money crying for money because if you if the people at home don't watch and don't help their church everything's going to go bad for the people that not contributing and those people made so much money and swindled everyone. So it was a church lady reference to people in the church area being bad. So eight times in a season, yeah, it did not tire out because there was so much controversy back then. Rob Lowe, Madonna, all the stuff that was going on. I mean, I'm old enough to remember it. I wasn't allowed to watch it. I was like eight, nine, ten years old, so I was already in bed by by that point. But like Jessica Hahn with the, the, 19, the 84 and 88 election cycle. Like, it was just incredible. Why do you bring it back eight times in a season? You wouldn't see that now because there's so much news. There's so much controversy. And it's sort of a thing where, like, all the late night shows kind of say, our, we are their review for, for the news for the week. Like, Chris Red told us that a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago. 
that people kind of don't watch the news at six o'clock Monday to Friday and they want a, a fresh take on it. Boy, was the church lady a fresh take because she could just rip into people that were misbehaving. Bill Clinton uh, before Monica Lewinsky, all of that stuff was just crazy. And then the last appearance with Donald Trump and all of his cronies. So uh, Dana did a fantastic job, as, as I said. There's there's no question about that. And as I said a moment ago, the the quality of the performance by the individuals is just mesmerizing here. I think it's twelve and not higher because of it was because of the time timing. If it was in the nineties instead of the eighties, it would be higher just because of the demographics of the SNL network fans. I think, but I think twelve is uh, under is an underperforming result based on 23 appearances like you said it's it was just crazy and i mean you can listen to dana's show now with uh with spade and he'll just go into the character and people remember it and and enjoy it and even his most recent appearances they knew all the uh, catchphrases when he did the one at the at the update desk it wasn't as good but every time he said one of those catchphrases the the live in-studio audience were responded and 10 years from now, people will remember the church lady. Unlike maybe some of the er other characters uh, from that long list I was talking about before. So long-term memorability, long-term memory is, is another big factor for why this one at number 12 and all the others uh, 11 to, to one will stand the test of time. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, that's totally fair. I think that uh, the elements that I always really enjoyed from the church lady uh, was when she would do this. Satan! And just throw out the Satan. Uh, for me, that was always really fun. Um, and you know what? I, I do wish SNL had, maybe not the church lady, but another vehicle that existed now for a character that brings out everybody's most hated personalities and has fun with them. Because there was a way that this could have gone off the rails with the church lady uh, that wouldn't have been fun, but she always had fun with, like Ike said, the Saddam Hussein or the Donald Trumps of the world. There was always a way to like tease them and have fun with them that the church lady, in a way, felt a little comfortable that you could watch her as a character and know that it was never going to be like uh, like dark. Like it was always going to like, she teetered on the line a little bit, but it was always still fun. Like, I would love to know, do you feel like number 12 was the right spot for the church lady? And were there any other favorite moments of yours through your research that you want to bring up? Oh yeah. I think number 12 is a, a good spot. Uh, as far as favorite moments, I got a few of them. I did like the, um, I like the Sam. There's a, there's one, there's a cold open one where it's the Sam Kinison episode. I think Sam was about to host and there was this big controversy of his material and people were trying to boycott him or whatever. And then I guess they had to put church lady in there and it's, she's walking around the set trying to find Sam and talk to him. That was fun. Uh, there's a weird one with Dennis Hopper. I don't know you, John, you probably know more than me. Was he hosting that episode or was that a cameo? Uh, he's hosted before, yeah, for sure. I, I forget if it was once or twice, but he's definitely hosted. I will get that information for you and for the listeners right now, but he's definitely hosted before. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was part of when he hosted or not, but there's this weird one with him. And it's like, I don't even know if, I don't even know, I'm led to believe none of that was scripted. And he just said, you know what, forget the sketch comedy. I'm just going to talk to church lady like it's a regular conversation. Because the whole time I'm like, are we still in the sketch right now? So it was weird. My favorite, favorite one, though, is uh, Saddam Hussein played by the great uh, Phil Hartman. And then John Goodman come in playing the church lady's mother. And the ending of that sketch turns into Three Stooges mixed with WWE. And I'm just like, what the heck is going on here? Because this is John Goodman. This isn't the John Goodman we have now who's lost a lot of weight. This is straight off of Roseanne John Goodman. And he's just attacking Phil Hartman. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced I saw John Goodman give uh, Phil Hartman a rock bottom. Like, he was, he was just attacking this dude, and it, 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 it was just amazing to see. So that was probably my favorite sketch. I do agree uh, with uh, Dave here. I was not the biggest fan of the 2016 Weekend Update uh, thing Church Lady did. I think it was about male birth control or something. But even in those weaker sketches, Dana, you could just see the comedic brain of Dana just working, just trying to make something out of it, even with uh, I think there was one with Minister Bob played by Chevy Chase. I think it was at luncheon. I think the sketch was at luncheon. And look, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not necessarily. I don't despise Chevy Chase as much as a good portion of the SNL community does. I still respect him as far as the original cast. But the minute he shows up in that sketch, the comedy drops dead. It's like there is nothing from the minute he comes on, the comedy just comes to a complete halt. But even in moments like that. You have someone like Dana just constantly, just constantly keeping up the energy, keeping up the energy. So I think the reason is, number 12, like I said, Dana worked his tail off to make this character work and to keep it light. Well, you know what? It's kind of a thing where sometimes when something happens in the news, you can't wait to see what someone's response is going to be like in like today. It's. If something crazy happened at the White House, you can't wait until Jon Stewart gets on The Daily Show or well now his Apple TV show or what what is uh Bill Maher going to think or what is SNL going to think about this news that was the, the thing like you said eight in the season something crazy happens on a Monday or Tuesday how's SNL going to react well let's have the church lady how would the church lady react to this bang why would you use her eight times in a season because how is she, how is she going to react to today's news that's the great thing about doing a live broadcast on a Saturday night. Yeah, it's incredibly stressful, but it's at the same time reactionary to the latest news of the week. And uh, if if that was a, a skit, if that was a something today, if Church Lady was today, yeah, I can't wait to see how Church Lady deals with with this news. It wasn't uh, a character that was b- just based on things that were going on in general, like uh, Heidi's uh, movie reviewer, but it, it's based on the serious topics of the day. So Dana did a, an excellent job. And like uh, other characters, maybe certain individuals could not play church lady like Dana could. And they found the perfect person for the role and off the, off we went. Yeah. And I think we also have to talk about, you know, church lady had the, 
just this incredible momentum from being on this first episode of season 12, where this new cast is really coming in. Dana Carvey is just like coming in fully formed. We have the chopping broccoli that same episode. And then, you know, the church lady. And it was just this moment of like, wow, these characters, like this is what SNL is supposed to be. It started to feel a little bit like the original cast again. And you started to see that it was like the beginning of this like new spark that was lit. And I think that the church lady was a big reason why. So to me, she's very, as a character, representative of that second golden era where SNL, it was like SNL is back and the church lady is a big part of that. Um, all right, guys, anything else on the church lady? Or are we ready to move on to number 11? I just wanted to say real quick, talking about the first sketch of the church lady, I thought it was real cool. How awesome is Sigourney Weaver being a part of these two legendary SNL moments? She's in the first church lady sketch reprising the role is i don't know if you call her zool but she gets possessed by zool in the same sketch the church lady sketch and then she comes back later in the chopping broccoli what a like if you're sigourney weaver weaver you're just like man i was a part of some legendary snl moments man for sure for sure and then when sigourney weaver hosted a couple decades later uh, a lot of people were very excited because of that you know episode that iconic episode that she did the first episode of this generation of cast members and if Dana was to host uh, this coming season and pulled out a couple of those church lady uh, catchphrases, the crowd would, in 2022 would go nuts. Maybe yeah. unlike other former cast members who were trying out a line from one of their characters from 30 years ago. So it's it's credit to the man and credit to the uh, to the writing. For sure. And uh, the, yeah, just a, a point of note from before, Dennis Hopper did host twice and was the host at the time where uh, the church lady was, uh, had that sketch during his episode. Okay. That is number 12 on the list. Let's talk about number 11. And we're, we're getting there. And this is a character. Um, I'll say it. I was a little surprised. I wasn't sure if it was going to make the list. I knew it had iconic catchphrases. I knew the character had some iconic moments. But it sort of falls in this area for me where I was wondering if this would be a little bit of a forgotten character. Let's talk about this character, which is uh, had a famous catchphrase, this one. Yes! Yeah, that would be Jebediah Atkinson, the character from Taron Killam, a Weekend Update character that we saw six times, four times in season 39, twice in season 40. Jebediah Atkinson was an 1860s newspaper critic. Uh, that Taryn Killam actually created that was inspired by an actual incident where in 2013, a newspaper called the Patriot News retracted a scathing review of the Gettysburg Address. Uh, Taryn Killam saw this and worked on it with some writers to create Jebediah Atkinson, who would then be uh, the critic that got the uh, the scathing review retracted. And uh, this was really fun. Four times in season 39, uh, the Lady Gaga episode was the first time we saw Jebediah Atkinson, then in Paul Rudd. Uh, Jebediah was there to talk about Xmas uh, specials. Um, Jim Parsons episode, we had Oscar uh, Best Picture nominees. Then we had Tony nominees later on with Andrew Garfield. Uh, the Jim, the uh, in Twice in Season 40, we had the Simmons episode was Grammy nominees and the Michael Keaton episode was current and past TV shows. So six times total Jebediah Atkinson. You have to think if Taron Killam had stayed on the show and wasn't let go, we would have seen more of this character. So, but you know, for the short time that it lived, this is a very fun character to talk about. So Dave, I'm going to start with you on this character. How do you feel about Jebediah Atkinson and how do you feel about his spot on the list? Well, it tells you about the impact that he made 
with six appearances versus church ladies 23 i'm a bit of a math geek so that's uh, what i kind of noticed but yeah maybe it's that there's some recency bias perhaps but taryn was a hell of a uh a hell of a uh actor and a hell of a uh character on saturday night live uh and did a great job not only with this but with many many other things and we hope we'll see him again soon and it was it was the case where he went after pop culture like he was insulting the charlie brown christmas special and the crowd booed him <laughs> and just things like that once again the things that everyone can relate to and different topics over the different ones i don't know if appearances seven eight nine and ten would have covered anything new they may have already run out of ideas for him i mean even on the second episode or the second time he appeared he said uh, i only appeared three weeks ago on the on the speech issue are, are you burning this too much into the ground already so it was a case where the the live audience made such a difference because he was able to improv and adapt not only within the few minutes of his presentation, but appearance to appearance. So he could, I, okay, what, what worked last month? What didn't work? How did the, the live audience response create what we can do good or bad for next time? There's very few of those kinds of weekend update characters that were able to evolve like that. And the one tiny negative I would say is the fact that uh, he said, well, I'm not going to tell this joke because the last one didn't work. And he referred to that several times with each one going a- going ahead. Um, other things that I liked about it, uh, when a joke didn't work, he would rip the card up. Even Seth Meyers ripped the card one time and threw it away. There was one where he tossed the card and it, I think it landed on the lens of the camera. And he's like, oh my I God, we, we have quite. to talk about this. Yeah, Dave, I, I have I pulled this because this to me was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Uh, okay, that, I'm exaggerating, but it was very funny when I saw this live. Uh, play it. Next. <laughs> Couldn't do it again if I tried. <laughs> so enjoy it, live television. <laughs> Yeah, I just had to say, like, uh, if you didn't see that moment, go back to the one. It's the Jim Parsons one where he just tries to throw away the card and it lands right back on his other cards. It was so epic. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's what you have to be able to do. That's what somebody with Second City has to be able to do is, is adjust to what the live audience is presenting them. If there's a flub in the moment, how are you going to react? Are you going to ignore it or are you going to build off of it for more comedy? That's a perfect example of him doing exactly that. And like I said, it was topical. I mean, he could go back to It's a Wonderful Life and rip on it, and the fans would boo him for a movie that's 80 years old and for all the characters that have all passed away by now. But when you attack things that people love and you and you make it a funny slant on it, you're going to win every time. So I, uh, I enjoyed it, and whenever uh, Seth said, here comes Jebediah Atkinson, uh, it sparked my attention. For sure. Ike, would love to get your opinion on Jebediah Atkinson coming in here at number 11. Oh, man. Not only am I happy he made the list, I'm happy that I get to talk about him on my episode. You're right, man. It's just he's an 1860 speech critic, but he's somehow still alive in the late 2010s. I don't know how that's explained. I don't know. Maybe there's some time travel. I wonder if the character kept going and he had to send off like a Kate McKinnon, we would find out that he was time traveling and he would just go back to his appropriate timeline. 
but it's like I, you guys nailed it on the head. He started as a speech critic, but then he just starts riffing off everything else in pop culture to a point. But I like the fact that he's at number 11 because I don't think that this character gets enough credit for pretty much helping the SNL audience with the shift that was happening with Weekend Update at the time. Because if you remember, this is he, he's introduced at a time where Seth is about to leave Weekend Update and host Late Night, replacing Jimmy Fallon. So he's coming in during the late, the end of Seth's run, and then he shows up a little bit in the middle, in the beginning, excuse me, of Cecily and Colin's run. And then we, we find out Cecily doesn't really want to do update anymore. So then they bring in Che and then he just he comes in in the beginning of that. So he's just he's just he's walking us through almost these three eras of, of update. And I think he's the only character I feel that can do that because it's a mixture of the energy and let's be honest, it, 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 these jokes are funny. I'm sorry. Like these, these, these burns are like uh, hilarious. And to be honest, the best part about this character is what you just touched on, John, is the mishaps. Because I, I think I know a mishap even funnier than the one you just played. It's the one during the Tony episode, or he's talking about the Tonys. And then really in the beginning, he misspeaks and he says Tommy instead of Tony. Cecily catches it and then he's like, Oh yeah, Tommy was a bully I had in high school, and then he just moves on, like like it's part of the script. And it's like, and, and I'm and me being a comedian myself, I'm just like, how are you doing this? Like this is this is like Conan O'Brien's good at this too. He just he just keeps he just keeps the energy going. He doesn't lose any steam. So it's almost like watching this sketch. You can't help but you can't help but think you're just watching a master at his craft. Just just, and I I truly believe that if he had stuck around because he was already in the short period that he had, he was already, he was already becoming a meme. I remember seeing memes of this, this character a few times on Instagram and stuff. So I, I do believe that if the character had stuck around, you would have saw TikTok inspired ones. You would have seen just, he would have been, he would have been more, I'm not saying we're going to see a Jebediah movie or anything like that, but you would have seen a lot more in the internet culture if, if he had kept going and, and we, and he unfortunately uh, didn't get uh, let go. I think he, there was going to be big future with uh, Jebediah. Well, I actually think if Jebediah Atkinson was a character from the nineties or eighties, there definitely would have been a movie of Jebediah Atkinson. I think that that is like the ideal character that they look to potentially make a movie out of from SNL. And, you know, maybe this is a conversation for a different podcast or a different night, but just like going through these Jebediah Atkinsons from Taron Killam. And I know he did like a lot of other great work on the show. Uh, recently spoke to Jay Farrow just for laughs. And we all know how talented Jay is with his impressions and all that stuff. Have to sort of wonder, like for all the complaints as an SNL community that we had of like season 42 through 46, in a sense about the political nature of the show and then bringing in outsiders, like, the decision to get rid of Taron Killam and Jay Farrow to me is probably one of the worst decisions that SNL's ever made. And I don't think we talk about it enough. Like, I don't think we talk about just like the fact that they let go like two of these like really great cast members that were like heading towards like coming into their own. They both had 
like really good characters that they were building towards the end of their SNL careers. And they've gone off and done great things. And I'm sure like, you know, I see Taryn and Jay commenting on sketches all the time. They're happy with the show. Jay even said he'd love to come back and host SNL when I spoke to him. But uh, yeah, just watching this Taryn Killen stuff and seeing this six times, maybe a lot of you feel that uh, six times was enough for him, that he didn't have to go to the, uh, what was it, 23 times of the church lady. But for me, uh, I feel like there was more to be gained here from Taryn, and I wish that we saw more of it. Um, Dave, what about you? Anything else on Jebediah Atkinson? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm reading the chat here uh, on our live version here on YouTube, and uh, people are feeling like uh, he may have checked out. Maybe that's why they got rid of him. I Who knows what was going on behind the scenes. But yeah, Taryn and Jay both being gone at the end of the year and being, well, I guess fired rather than quitting like uh, the, the four did at the end of this season was just a, a, a real sh shot in the gut. I mean, I, I was really surprised that they didn't come back. I don't know if they had to pay them out and buy them out of their contracts like athletes when they're cut from teams, but um, they probably got a couple of nice paychecks at the end of, uh, at the end of their careers. But no, uh, I really like Taryn from, he made an impact from when he was a repertory player. And obviously Jay is uh, still in a, a great mood. You, you talked to him last week and, and he's doing a lot of great things on cable channels. Uh, I can't find, but um, I, I assume he's doing a lot of great stuff and, and he's, he's having fun and they're not bitter. They're not uh, disappointed. And they more than likely mo both be ready to come back. And, and tear it up again. And if uh, Taryn hosted, he would probably want to do Jebediah again, just like um, when, uh, who did the devil this past season? Sudeikis. Sudeikis, yeah. and, and And the fans would go nuts for him. And yeah. probably uh, social media uh, channels would be his, his next ripping off point. What does he think of Twitter? What does he think of Facebook? What does he think of TikTok? Or podcasts. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, I, I think the fans would, uh, would, welcome him back with open arms and would welcome yeah. back Jebediah just like fly on the wall the devil was yeah next <laughs> um yeah okay so let's let's wrap up our discussion by talking about the actual placement of this character on the list so out of all the SNL characters in the history of the show as much as I do love this character and I'm happy it's on the list 11 to me is like whoa this is the 11th greatest character in the history of the show for being only on six times you know I believe we brought up recency bias but you know in our minds, where do we feel like this is a deserving spot on the list? Ike, I'll start with you. Does 11 make sense for this character? I would answer it, but it would kind of spoil what I'm about to say for number 10. So I'm going okay. to kindly ask that I save my spots till we get to number 10. <laughs> All right. So let's, let me go to Dave on this one, then. How do you feel about number 11 for Jebediah Atkinson? I think when it comes to 47 years of history... I, I I think six appearances getting him up to that level is is pretty good. I I think the eleventh greatest quarterback, the eleventh greatest uh, pitcher, the eleventh greatest this, the eleventh greatest that is still pretty good. So uh, yeah, maybe a little recency bias, but people love Taron, and good on him for his performance because it it could have flubbed after one or two, and they would have thrown it away. But uh, he he adapted and he did very very well. He improved and and. Uh, he deserved all the compliments we've just given him over the last few minutes. So good on him. And uh, 11, specifically, you haven't spoiled me to the top 10, and I don't want you to. So, um, But just quickly going through my head, I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I would have predicted 11 to 15 
before uh, seeing the results. So yeah, good on him for for making that sort of impact. That's fair. And then uh, Gelp in the chat says Drunk Uncle should have been ahead of this character. I would agree. I would think I would so. agree I would too. Probably. Okay. All right. That's number 11. We're going to break down the top 10. So I'm very excited to talk about the top 10. Let me go through 20 through 11 one more time just for everybody who, who hasn't caught them yet. So uh, 20 was the target lady. 19, Colleen Rafferty. 18, the ex-porn stars. 17, Nick the Lounge Singer. 16, the Sweeney Sisters. 15, Drunk Uncle. 14, Herb Welch. And 13, the Coneheads. Tonight, we already revealed number 12 is the church lady. Number 11 is Jebediah Atkinson. Now we're going to get into our top 10 as we make our way to the top of the list. And here we go with a very iconic character. Well, Jen, it just goes to show you. It's always something. Yep, it is always something with the legendary Roseanne or Rosanna Dana. This is Gilda Radner's character that we saw uh, many, many times on the show, 17 times. Uh, basically, when Gilda Radner first started on the show, we would see her come on with a character called Emily Latella with Chevy Chase and then eventually Jane Curtin. And this sort of became the replacement for Emily Latella starting in season three. Uh, during my first watch of SNL, I remember watching and being like, when is Roseanne Rosanna Dana going to get there? I always assumed that this was a character that started like right at the beginning. But this is something that Gilda worked on uh, and debuted in season three. So we got it six times in season three, six times in season four, and four times in season five. Um, also appeared in a Charles Grodin sketch that really kicked off the character. Very similar, in, in a sense, to Stefan, who appeared in a sketch before coming on to Weekend Update. Um, I'm, of course, many of you will remember E. Emma Stone uh, playing Roseanne Rosanna Dana during SNL 40, which was a very interesting moment that we got there. Um, but basically, Roseanne Rosanna Dana was based on a ABC anchorwoman in New York City uh, named Rose Ann Scamardella. And basically, Roseanne Rosanna Dana would come on and read a letter from Richard Fader of Fort Lee, New Jersey, who was the real life brother in law of SNL writer and season five cast member Alan Zweibel. And uh, she would basically read the letter and would launch into anecdotes with absolutely no relevance to the things she was supposed to be talking about. She would go into graphic details about bodily functions or personal hygiene. And uh, Jane Curtin would often say, what are you trying to do here? Make me sick. Um, and or, or Roseanne, Roseanne Dana would say that. Um, and then uh, Jane Curtin would say, Roseanne, you're making me sick. And of course, Roseanne, Roseanne Dana would say, well, Jane, it just goes to show you it's always something. If it's not th one thing, it's another. And uh, very repetitive, very much the same thing that we'd see a lot of times. But uh, this is a character that a lot of people think of very fondly from the 70s. So obviously would love to discuss it being at number 10 here. Ike, I'm going to start with you. Thoughts on Roseanne, Roseanne and Dana. Okay, so John, I'm sad to say this might be my last appearance on this network because, uh, <laughs> whoo, okay, so here's the thing. First of all, God rest her soul, Gilda Radner, such an amazing comedy legend, gone way too soon. So when I found out she was number 10, I'm like, great, I get to watch this sketch. I've never seen the sketch before. Uh, maybe I'll get educated here. I'm watching this sketch and I'm like, uh, is, where where's the joke here? I'm I'm trying to follow it. I'm trying I'm trying to understand it. They're like I look, I want to be with, right with you guys. That's an L family. I'm trying to be with you guys. I'm trying to get behind this character too. But maybe it's the millennial side of me. I just didn't get the character. I don't understand. Maybe it's a thing of because a lot of SNL characters are like this. It's like it's it's a thing of you had to be there 
during that era, a lot of these characters are, a lot of these moments are. So maybe it's a thing of maybe I had to have lived in the that first era of the show to really understand the, the humor or whatever. But now, don't get me wrong, her performance is amazing. Gilda absolutely is amazing as this character, and she she deserves every accolade she gets. But I'm I was I was basically Jane watching these sketches. I'm like, what are you talking about? That was me. That was me. I'm like, I'm. Uh, what are we? What's going on here? But yes. Uh, but uh, here's the controversial thing I'm about to say. I was warning you about. I I will make the argument, and if and if y'all don't agree, that's perfectly fine. Comedy is totally subjective. I personally, if it was me, I would put this at number eleven and Jebediah at number 10. That's just me personally, because I just feel like Jeb, while Gilda is more performance with this, Jebediah was both the jokes and the performances. So it was both, it was like that, that one, two punch with it, where Gilda is basically a performance piece. And you, and you can see that with Emma Stone, when she does a rendition of this during the 40th anniversary, where she 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 does her thing, but it doesn't she she doesn't really sell the material. She doesn't really sell the character like Gilda did, because no one can really do how Gilda does. So uh, to sum it up, to make a long explanation short, I like I get why it's number 10. I just don't necessarily agree with it personally. And I, I don't think you said anything wrong, to be honest with you. I think your opinion is completely valid here. I, I, I personally think that Jebediah Atkinson probably gave me more laughs than Roseanne, Rosanna Dana. And comedy is super subjective. And, you know, here we're talking about, you know, like its placement on favorite characters list. So obviously this is a subjective list of our collective community. Um, but I do think that the, maybe the one aspect that maybe you don't get through watching uh, YouTube clips of Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana, Ike, if I can say, and I'll have Dave's opinion come in here in a second, is that um, the, the reason that I personally enjoy this character so much is because you really get to know Gilda Radner through the first few seasons of the show. And she uh, has this wacky energy, but she is just the sweetest person, like the most lovely person that was amazing at comedy. And she was so inspirational. And this character was so far out there and so far, like not what you would think that Gilda Radner would be. And I think it was the dichotomy between the character of Rosanna Rosanna Dana and the real life personality of Gilda Radner that almost boosted my personal like flavor of enjoying this. Um, if that makes sense. And yeah, just cause it was just so different and it, it is super repetitive and I wish that they had changed it more, but I, I think the fact that it was Gilda really, really helped it. And obviously, you know, Gilda no longer being with us. And uh, I believe, you know, it was mentioned in the chat about her memoir being named after, uh, it was called, it's always something when she was talking about her fight with cancer. I just think it's just looked at very fondly in retrospect. So those are the kind of the two perspectives that I would probably add to the discussion of this. I think, Everything you just said is a, is a perfect example, John. Um, I don't really have a lot of experience with the original seven uh, that uh, that were in the first five years. I, what I really need to do is go back online and find those initial episodes. Obviously, it's a question of did they run it into the ground? Well, if it's seventeen times, they probably didn't. But here's here's a something maybe nobody else has thought of. You think about so many people being on the cast for SNL in the in the 2020s. Only seven in in the 1970s. Was it we only need seven, or is it uh oh we have to have so much Roseanne Rosanna Dana, so much Emily Latella 
because there's only seven people. Two of them are on the desk. So that's only five people that can contribute to something. And what, uh, no, if no one else has anything, it's like, okay, pull out Roseanne, pull out Emily, pull out this person or that person, pull out, uh, just anything that you can, and maybe repetition was necessary rather than um, encouraged. Like I said, who knows? We have to go back and listen to the, once again, same thing as Jebediah Atkinson. How did the live audience in 8H react? And if they were positive every single time and they looked forward to Roseanne coming on, the clips I've seen, Jane Curtin would introduce Roseanne, the crowd would go nuts. They wouldn't kind of turn on it and say, not this again. Once again, the power of Gilda, the power of Dana, the power of Taryn. They can sell it. They want your attention, and you give it to them. And they don't make it boring. Again, I haven't seen all 17 of them. A couple of them, two or three. You can't watch Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana back to back to back. Um, and that's probably why they haven't put a, a compilation on YouTube like they have with, uh, with all the Jebediah Atkinson ones that you can watch as, as, a, as a group or all the ones from uh, from Pete Davidson as, as a compilation. But once again, everything Gilda did was was gold, and this is a, a character that was very, very memorable and different from Ellie Latella, and she adapted and made sure that it wasn't exactly the same. And uh, once again, Jane Curtin telling her to shut up and be quiet, and, and the fact that even in the 40th, they said, we bring on correspondents who wouldn't talk anything about the topic that they were supposed to brought that they were supposed to. Emily and Roseanne started that. And that's kind of where it developed. And and people were like, well, if Roseanne and Rosanna Dana and Emily Latella get off topic, I can get off topic too if it's a funny idea. And forty years later, here we are. So um, yeah, it can be repetitive. Um, once again, how many different topics do you cover? And how do you do it? in a funny way that's why jebediah would probably have burned out eventually because just how many topics are there that you can go over but um once again gilda just doing amazing things and a 45 year tradition of ripping on new jersey so there you go <laughs> yes that that is true but uh you know I, and i see the chat talking about this for sure this is something that you know in the 70s they would replay the episodes sometimes over the summers but you never knew like if anybody would see this episode ever again like they, they could not imagine that there would be DVDs and people would be going back 45 years later and still talking about these characters and stuff like that, or that the show would even be in existence. So really, it's, it's funny because uh, there was just so much repetition from the start. They generalissimo Francisco Franco, you know, from Chevy Chase, you know, he would say that line is still dead. Um, the news for the hard of hearing, the Chico Escuela from, that we got from um, Garrett Morris. Uh, even Father Guido Sarducci, the, you know, these were characters that continue to get come week after week after week because this is what, you know, people look forward to on the weekend. They were like, OK, I'm watching SNL. I want to see my favorite characters pop up. That's what the, the thing was in the 70s. Now they would definitely change things up when it comes to Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana. If we were going to see it 17 times, we would have seen more range from the character, I would think. Um, Ike, all right, we discussed a lot about your opinions and our opinions as well. Let me go back to you on this discussion. How are you feeling now? Is there anything else you want to add on Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, didn't hate the character. I, I respect its position on the list, even though I would still put it at number 11. But, you know, hearing the history about it, you know, I feel, I feel like um, more 
we would be doing a disservice as SNL fans to not discuss the magic that Gilda gave and that original cast gave. So any chance you get or we get to talk about and re-experience those glory years, I, I believe is very, it is very important that we do so. They have to be remembered. It's not like, uh, like I said, I, I'm up here in Canada, by the way, so uh, we don't have Peacock access, or I don't anyway. So I can't tell you how many of the sketches and how many of the episodes are available on on Peacock. Maybe one of our American, like, if you have Peacock, you can maybe tell us, but uh, or somebody in the chat room. But th that's the great thing about Peacock. Let's give them all 47 seasons and let them judge. And basically, uh, music rights were the only reason they had to take a lot of those original sketches off. Um, yeah, I mean, was it, uh, based on, uh, not having anything else? I certainly hope not. But once again, you didn't have social media back in the, in the seventies. All you had was basically the live audience at eight H and basically newspaper reviewers. And, yeah. uh, and if no one said this is bad and this is tiring, let's keep doing it. And, and like I said, Gilda's Gilda. So you can't ask for much more than that, but Let Emma me ask Stone, Sorry, yeah, I was, was going to ask you about it. Was exactly. horrible, and the entire the entire weekend update fortieth was terrible. But okay. Emma Stone's fortieth well, Roseanne Rosanna Dana was excruciatingly bad. Okay, I'd love to get your opinion on this because I was going to ask Dave because I know he rolled he rolled his <laughs> eyes before. Now. Yeah, he rolled his eyes about this. So, Ike, what did you think about that? Oh, the four, well, first of all, if you want my thoughts about the 40th anniversary, that's a whole nother podcast. I'm not no, trying just, to run just the uh, Emma Stone part, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, like, Rosanna is a performance piece, and Gilda perfected it. So it's almost like I remember our good friend, Rich Tackenberg, great guy. He When he reviewed the 40th years ago, he said if you gave a college student the, a Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana script and told them to to recite it, it, they probably wouldn't be able to nail it like Gilda did. So this isn't an attack on Emma at all. It's just it's just how it is. Uh, I feel like, like I said, it that shows that Gilda made that character. And as far as, like I said, as far as the whole 40th anniversary as a whole, that's a that's a whole nother topic there. That's yeah. like a that's like a a snooze fest waiting to happen right there. <laughs> Well, oh, I quick, could not disagree more. I, I well, well, quickly, one of the best John, of my life. the fortieth was really good. Just the the weekend update segment of the fortieth struggled. Yeah, no, I, I get I get that for sure. But let me just say, like, uh, as a again, if you watch all of SNL and you, maybe you weren't around at the beginning, but if you take the time and you go through whether it's Peacock or Hulu or however up in Canada you watch it legally or illegally, go through all of SNL, um, and you get to the fortieth anniversary. There are so many moments that are extremely fulfilling. I wouldn't say that Emma Stone playing Rosanna Rosanna was the best thing ever, but seeing Jane Curtin back on Weekend Update with Amy and Tina and seeing Jane Curtin back with somebody playing Rosanna Rosanna Dana uh, 35 years later, I think that it's just like really cool. Like you can't get that anywhere else on, on television. So I think that that was, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that was really awesome. And of course, yeah, <laughs> I have a lot of things to say about that night for me. It was, it was epic, but we'll, we'll save that for another time. Like, um, 
All right. So last week we did this uh, fun little gesture, and I know that I kind of uh, gave the results of that tonight. So um, we'll, we'll end off with this. So tonight we had number 12, Church Lady, number 11, Jebediah Atkinson, number 10, Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana. Do we feel like they were in the right order tonight, or how would you place them if you had to do one, two, three? So, Ike, I know you said you put Jebediah ahead of Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana. Where is your final rankings for the characters we revealed tonight? Okay, number 12, Church Lady. Number 11, Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana, and number 10, Jebediah. I feel like if it were me, if it were my list, that's how I would put it. But as it stands now, I'm cool with it. Okay. Dave, what about you? Well, once again, credit to Taryn Killam to get himself up to 11th place and ahead of someone like the church lady who had four times as many appearances. Um, I would... I would jump Church Lady to ten, Roseanne to eleven, and Ter- uh, and Jebediah to twelve among those three, uh, just based on, like I said, a, a forty-seven year uh, sample. So, all right, that's fair. Okay, well, Ike and Dave, you guys did an excellent job tonight breaking down these three characters on the list. Really appreciate all of your input. Uh, for what's coming up here on the SNL Network, next week we are back next Monday night, August 15th, getting our way through August to reveal the next three characters on the list. Next week we're going to be revealing characters 9, 8, and 7 on the list. They are some really fun ones. I'm excited to uh, reveal them all to you next Monday night. So I hope you join us for that with uh, more, some more patrons that we haven't heard from yet on the podcast. Okay. Uh, let's do some plugs. Uh, Ike, anywhere people can reach out to you and hear everything that you got going on? Uh, check out my Instagram, Ballistic Ike Moore. You know, uh, it's, it's always awesome. It's also it's always a blessing, honor, and a privilege to talk to my SNL fans. Uh, shout out to Blood Meridian. She's got a great blog uh, talking about the SNL episodes that I sometimes comment on myself. So uh, shout out to her. And, you know, just... Um, like I said, excited about this new season to come. And, you know, it's always a pleasure to talk about this great institution with all of you. I appreciate that, Ike. And I always appreciate you bringing the realness here. To talk, you know, you're, you're unfiltered and I love it. So it's great, Ike. Um, <laughs> great to hear from you. Uh, Dave, always a pleasure to get to talk to you. I'm glad we had you live on the podcast with us. And I look forward to having you back on some patron shows in season 48. Please tell the listeners where they can find you. Well, just uh, Dave underscore Standish is uh, my Twitter feed. I don't uh, have a, an Instagram feed or a, or a TikTok, but I'm mainly a sports guy. So that's probably where you got most of, of the numerical analysis from, as, as I can do to a comedy show to compare it to a sports angle. Uh, can I just ask that when I'm on uh, during the regular season, it's me and the three Andrews. Can we do that? <laughs> Yeah, uh, we, we, we'll discuss it. We'll work it out. Okay. All right. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, if you want to get confusing uh, for the listeners, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, once again, blessings to uh, the SNL network and to the hardcore SNL fans that, that want to talk about it in May, June, July, and August. Good, good, good for you. And uh, I appreciate being part of the community and we, uh, we got to do it again. I, I already looking forward to the next one. And uh, once again, thanks to Ike and uh, thanks to you, John. And it was my pleasure to be here tonight. Yeah, pleasure to have you both. Of course, you can find the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, YouTube. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I had a very funny anecdote at the end of the podcast. I, yesterday, I went out for dinner with some family friends. Uh, my parents, family friends, uh, one of them brought their daughter's uh, husband who I'd never met before. And they said, okay, they, they, they said, okay, we're going to go out with a bunch of people and John Schneider. And he said, 
John Schneider is that the is that is John Schneider have an SNL podcast and it was just such a weird like moment where this person who I was going out for dinner with that I didn't know who lived in the states for a long time uh, just was a listener of the podcast and it was just like such a cool experience for me I know there's a lot of you out there who listen to us on a regular uh, basis and may not uh, reach out for whatever reason and that's totally fine you do your thing and I love that you're listening to us and appreciate everything you do but uh, if you ever want to reach out and say hello I really love to get to know all of our listeners and I just met a new one last night so uh, how cool was that as we continue to grow our community and I got to talk to him have dinner and hear about all his thoughts on the podcast every week so um, that was really fun so uh, you know where to subscribe to the podcast you can find us also on Facebook Twitter TikTok and Instagram to see everything we we have on social media and uh, we will be back next monday night so thank you chat for joining us this week thank you to ike and dave my name is john schneider from the snl network and i will see you all next monday night have a good one everybody <laughs> <laughs>